0: Welcome to the Trusted Advisor podcast brought to you by Iroquois Group. Iroquois is your trusted advisor in all things insurance. This week, you're listening to the special segment of Charlie's Corner, hosted by our very own Charlie Venus. Well, welcome to
1: today's podcast. Today, we have a panel to talk about same-side selling techniques. We have the co-author of the same-side selling book, and renowned speaker on the topic with us today, Ian Altman. We also have two Eric Boy member producers who attended Ian's Same Side Selling Academy sales training sessions. Mike Mullaney, CEO of Titan Insurance, and Courtney Lynn, a commercialized advisor for Weed Ross. Welcome to all. Before we get started, let me ask each of you to give a short bio of your background and experience. And I'll ask you to go first, Courtney, then Mike, and then Ian. Courtney.
2: Okay. Um, I've been in insurance for about six years and it wasn't until uh, Sean and Joe bought the agency that I was at that they really saw my potential and started pushing me to move into commercial. So I've been in commercial for about a year and a half and they've had our office for just a little over two years. So they kind of like threw me right in and now I'm just working hard on being a producer and putting together uh, different accounts.
3: Great. Mike how about you? So I started my insurance career right out of college. I started working for Liberty Mutual there as a uh, personal line sales rep. Uh, Worked my way up the ladder and then uh, quickly realized after a little bit of time that I wanted to go out on my own. So I decided to quit my job when I started the agency Titan back in 2015. And we've been running ever since where we are. We're a boutique shop here in uh, Boston. Uh, We have two locations and we do all personal and commercial lines of insurance here uh, in Boston.
0: And Ian, I'm Ian Altman, and as Charlie said, I'm the co-author of a book called Same Side Selling. It's now in its second edition. Before I started this business, I ran some other companies. I started my first company in 1993. We became a fast 50 company, and then started a software company. And what you people may not know is that actually in my prior business, a lot of our business was in the property casualty insurance space. It's just we weren't selling it. We were servicing property casualty insurance companies like Chubb and Marsh and Aon and companies that don't exist anymore. <laughs> and we grew that business from zero to a couple billion dollars in value. And now, spent the last thirteen years just helping other people and how they grow their businesses. And in addition to that, we have our same side selling academy. Well, thank you, Ian. So what we're going to do today, I'm going to ask Courtney
1: and Mike to tell us about some of the successes that they've had using the same-side selling techniques. Courtney, I'm going to start with you. You're relatively new to insurance, six years. You know, that's a novice in insurance terms yeah. and only a year, year and a half into sales. So tell us about how the same-side selling academy and the techniques you've learned in there has helped you
2: Um, I think the biggest thing is it really shifted my mindset in not to sell, but to solve. And once I like got that mindset, everything else kind of fell into place. Using the method like the Entice Disarm and Discover, that really helped me refine how I approached certain prospects. So they weren't looking at me like I was like a used car salesman. I was there to like actually help them Figure out what their issues were and solve them, and uh, make sure that they didn't run into that in the future. So I had a big account, and I, or a big account that I was prospecting recently, five different locations. It was a lumberyard and a contractor supply company. They stated that they'd been with the same insurance company for like 20 years, and they were really happy with their current agent, but that their commercial auto policy had went up about $29,000 that year due to a really big claim that they had. So I said that I would like to try and see if I could figure out why and if I was able to get that down. And I was actually able to work with the same company they were already with to find some hidden discounts. And I ended up saving them about $19,000 just on their commercial auto policy. And their current agent could have done the same thing because it was with the same company. But um, I proved that I was able to solve their problem instead of uh, just try to work around it.
1: Well, Ian, when Courtney says that she learned to solve, not sell, I mean, that's got to bring a real I Well, you're smiling now. Oh, I yeah, mean, a- it brings a real smile to your face to hear that. So comment from your standpoint about the techniques that she was using there.
0: Well, it brings a tear to my eye. And um, (laughs) (laughs) the beauty is that with with any of the principles of same-side selling or really just about any sales methodology, it really comes down to people internalizing the concepts and then applying them. And so there are a couple of concepts that Courtney really internalized here that I want to highlight. The first is that notion of solving instead of selling, meaning she's not showing up saying, gee, I just want to sell this account. She's saying, is there a problem I can solve for them? Oh, you just got this big increase on auto. And as far as you're concerned and what your current agent told you, there's nothing we can do about it. Well, that isn't necessarily true. And so all she did was approach them in a disarming way that said, Well, it sounds like you're in good hands. If I can do this and help you accomplish this, is that worth a conversation? And that way it enticed their interest that said, well, yeah, I guess I may be foolish not to talk to somebody who could help with that. And then by delivering, she built trust with them that said, you know what, maybe I am better off working with Courtney than working with this producer I've had for years. And especially in property casualty insurance, what you have to realize is that you're very rarely, almost never, you're going to find an account that doesn't have an existing relationship. So you always need to be able to show that contrast between the service and experience they're getting today versus what they could get going forward. And so there's always that reluctance for people to switch because anytime someone's going to switch from their existing provider to another, first they have to fire the person they liked enough to hire to begin with, and they have to acknowledge that maybe they made a mistake picking that person. By focusing on solving rather than selling, Courtney is able to instantly pique their interest and says, okay, I'll give you the time of day because you might be able to help.
1: Courtney, any other successes that you've had using the same-side selling techniques?
2: As I'm breaking into like the middle markets and they say, oh, well, I've been with this agent for 20 years, or, you know, they're such a small town agent. I love how they help me, or they're a bigger company. So I really think they're more qualified. I use that to kind of tell them like, well, as your business is growing, you kind of want to change um, an agent that is more tailored to you. If your business is growing, you want someone that's able to help with the bigger agencies, but not so big that are the bigger accounts, but not so big that you lose that personal touch. So I try to find like that happy middle um, as I'm breaking into these middle markets.
1: Now, Mike, I know you've had some successes in uh, using the same side selling techniques. In one case, on a particularly um, large renewal account that you have, can you walk us through that scenario?
3: You know, I'm, I'm just going to mirror kind of what Courtney said. I, I think the biggest thing I've taken out of everything that Ian's class has taught us is, is just to become a lot more engaged with the client. And it's not so much the just a quick turnaround. You, you get the, you know, the signed application they want to go with you and you move on to the next one. I think the biggest thing has been, you know, trying to problem solve it and really build that relationship with the client so that they know that they're in good hands. And to your point, what I was saying before, Charlie, for one of our bigger accounts, we have a pretty tight relation with a property management company, and we just took over an account uh, probably two years ago. But uh, unfortunately, this this property is uh, right on the water. It's uh, fifty, you know, residential condos. They had a, a very large loss a couple years ago due to uh, the developer cutting some corners, ended up being a pretty large lawsuit. But unfortunately, given the location, the type of risk, it, it was a very very expensive policy uh, and renewal. I basically sat down with the board. They were pretty much ready to, to jump ship and I, and I showed them, you know, here's what we're doing. Tell me what your issues are. Obviously, price was a, a big factor for that, but what we were able to do was really dive down to what they really wanted and then understand exactly what the coverage is that they were looking for, what they wanted and whether or not they wanted to give certain things up or what they didn't. Uh, and the end of the day, they decided to obviously stay with us, but they realized that like, it's not worth, you know, taking maybe, you know, $10,000 off a policy when you're going to be giving up uh, a large amount of coverage that and and that exposure, if something were to happen, you you could be in a a very tough position. So I think, you know, again, assessing what's going on with the situation and and the account really allowed me to to sit down with the, the board and show them we're here. We're, we're engaged with you. We want to make sure that we're addressing all of your needs. And if there's something that you guys are looking for, then, then let's have a conversation about it. And I think, you know, again, just prying and, and continuously asking what they're looking for and, uh, and the questions that kind of puts them on the spot to like, are, are we going to either go with this or are we going to you know remove stuff because we're trying to save a little bit of money? At the end of the day, it's worth for them to spend that amount, you know, and have the proper coverages in place instead of cutting corners. Yeah.
1: And in this particular situation, uh, the customer was they were concerned about the price, uh, obviously, because they had the big loss. It's, uh, you know, it's costly to begin with. And they were thinking about making a change, but it wasn't until you went in there and did a deep dive diagnostics to explain what the problems were that they had and the coverage that they needed.
3: Exactly. I mean, they see the number, you know, and then they're thinking, oh, my God, well, well maybe we can do better. And, and so I said to them, I understand your concern with, with the price, but do you really understand with what you guys are paying for? And, and one of the board members really just was like, no, we don't. And I was like, OK, well, I'd like to schedule a meeting with you guys and sit down and, so that you fully understand like, what's included, what's not, and what you guys are currently have covered and, and where your exposures are. And by actually sitting down and going through them with each policy, each line item with them, you know, I didn't look at it like this was going to be tedious work. It was more so kind of like a, as an educational thing. And we ended up coming out of it with more coverage, better package proposal for them. And they were completely on board with, with what they were getting in because they understood the value of what they were actually paying for at this time. And they ended up spending more money on a better policy than what they would have uh, because they realized what the value was.
0: So Ian, comments? Absolutely. So the the natural tendency that any of us have in sales is when the client says, oh, this is too expensive, we immediately want to shift to, okay, how can we save them money? How can we reduce the cost? I often say that price matters most when the seller believes price matters most. And price also matters most when the client doesn't understand what they're actually getting or what they're buying. So in this process, what Mike did was he helped educate the client to understand what the trade-offs were because the the client could have said, well, how can we save $10,000? Well, the most obvious way is you can save $10,000 by taking on more risk for your own organization. Well, we don't wanna do that because we're gonna take on additional millions of dollars of risk. We're not gonna have these exposures covered. Okay, well, we can't necessarily be that snarky. So instead what Mike did was he helped explain to them, here's what's currently covered. By the way, here's what's not covered. Here here are ways you can reduce your expense if you're willing to take on these additional risks. So what should we do? And the interesting part is that the client initially, if you hear Mike's story, the client initially was thinking, well, we're gonna jump ship, we're gonna go to another carrier, we're gonna go to another producer who's now going to offer this at a lower cost. And by having this discussion and doing that thorough discovery, the client actually increased their coverage and increase their expenditure because they realized, oh, we actually, you mean these two risks aren't covered? Oh yeah, we need even more coverage in those areas. But if he had left the conversation to solely be about price, he probably wouldn't have retained the account, but by taking the time to fully understand what the client was trying to accomplish, what their risks and concerns were, what their appetite was for risk, all of a sudden the client probably comes to Mike instead of Mike coming to them and says, well, maybe we should get these additional pieces of coverage. And now the client doesn't feel like they were sold anything. Mike solved an area of risk for them. And that's really what property casualty insurance is all about. You're assuming someone else's risk. And so if we're not having discussion about that risk, then we're missing the boat. And too often people sit there and they go back to their, to the carrier and say, well, what can you do to, you know, can we, can we re-rate this? Can you run this through underwriting and see if we can get the price down? And the reality is the top producers aren't focused as much on price as they are on risk mitigation and the right coverage for the end client. So
1: Mike, any other successes that you've had using same-side selling
0: techniques?
3: I think for myself that my confidence has gone through the roof. I take the, the client vision pyramid. And like I was kind of saying earlier it is like, I'm not just going after an account and it's just like, you know, turn and burn, right? It's on to the next one, like, you know, we got you on board, you know, and, and it's on to the next account. What I've been doing is is obviously going after larger accounts and just really trying to pinpoint what their issues are. I think just diving in and asking more questions for them is really and letting the client speak. They're answering their own questions. And then it's like it's now it's putting and catering a plan to what they need to solve those issues. Instead of me suggesting something just, here, here you go, this is what we can do, it's actually sitting down, engaging with the client, making sure we're addressing all of their needs, and then putting together the correct policy and package that they need, and just keeping that line of communication open with them. Um, they've had questions, either myself or the team, we're, we're quick to respond, and for us, we've, we've been able to lend some pretty large accounts that I don't think we would typically normally get. Uh, especially for us being a, a young agency, we've only been, been around since 2015, so we're, we're you know we're going up against guys who, who've got a pretty pretty good track record, and we're beating these guys out because we become engaged with the client. Uh, we can offer similar products, but it's really just sitting down and diving into what these guys want instead of just getting a renewal, you know, once a year, and somebody just checking, hey, what's going on, and that's it. There,
0: there, there's a couple things that, that I want to point out that that Mike mentioned, and then I, I want to get. I want to get Courtney's rebuttal or input on this also, which is one side is the confident side. What it comes down to is if you know that you have a process to follow and you know the steps to take, it helps build your confidence because you're not wondering, what do I do next? You say, oh, and now that this has happened, I do this. And if I ask this question, I get this answer. I know what to do with it. So I've got a specific process I can follow, which just helps instill confidence in what you're doing. The client vision pyramid that Mike mentioned, I know that all of us in this in this discussion know what it is, but for the benefit of the other listeners, the idea of this client vision pyramid is a way to differentiate what you do from other people. So Mike will explain to somebody, well, when people are looking for help in property casualty insurance, they're usually looking at one of three levels. And then he describes, is at the base effective level? Here's what's at the enhanced level. And here's what's at the engaged level. And the engaged level is describing what his firm does. So when he's going up against other agencies, when he's going up against other producers, he gets to basically cast an image that everyone else kind of fits into. So he get his agency gets to stand out in that top tier. And everyone else, even these bigger firms, have been around longer might now be perceived to be at that lower level because they're not as engaged, they're not as focused on the specific measurable outcomes, they're just checking in once a year
3: and all of a sudden it helps them differentiate. For me, the biggest thing has been going in with a plan. Before you kind of go into to an account you go to meet a client, you do your research on the company, on them individually, but you don't really have your own plan, I would say, or at least I did beforehand with like how I was gonna approach the risk, like things that I wanted to make sure that we touched upon really using the, the client pyramid, we want to make sure that we're addressing your needs. I mean, is this what you guys are looking for? Do you, this, you know, here are the tiers. And then I we, we have a list of questions that we basically go through to make sure that we're, we're hitting these marks. And the biggest thing was like literally nine times out of 10, it was like, they want to work with us throughout the process. They want to communicate exactly what they need. We're going to ask the questions to make sure we're pinpointing their, their pain points, right? Their issues. And then in turn, I was able to come back and put together a great package proposal, basically nailing each point that these guys were asking or they, their concerns were and put together a competitive price. And at the end of the day, the price really didn't make all that much difference because they knew they were what they were paying for. They understood exactly what was being included. The price point which is like okay this is what we're paying for because we know what we're getting that. that's great courtney what's your thought a
2: lot of times i will use um, the effective enhanced and engaged uh pyramid if they're talking about their current agent a lot i will use them to kind of grade their current agent using that and then if they say oh yeah i would say they're like effective or enhanced is that what you want or do you need someone that's more engaged and is willing to tailor um your insurance to you and if I can't will throw in there, because that's why customers usually come to us. They come to us because they need that kind of engagement. And I use that a lot. And going back to the confidence thing, like I I agree with Mike, this way of selling or solving, it puts things into a perspective where you know what you're going to say ahead of time. So you become confident saying it. And Ian likes to make sure that we do a little role playing so you do get comfortable doing it. I was so nervous to do it at first, but I do think it really helps. So sets us apart.
0: And and do you still role play and practice with colleagues today? Yeah,
2: Lauren and I do it quite often.
0: So what I'd love to hear is what does that do for you? Because I guarantee there are people listening right now saying, well, I talk to clients all the time, so I don't need to practice these things. Um, I don't need to use something like same side improv. I already talked to enough clients. So what's the difference in what you get by practicing in role play? versus actually just when you meet with clients?
2: I think it helps me learn how to gather my thoughts quicker instead of on the fly. You know, sometimes when you're in with a prospect, especially if they're not one that really seems interested, they're just kind of going through the motions with you. It really makes you know what to say in a quicker aspect or get them more involved in it and doing it with a colleague. But if you can do it in a silly atmosphere, you're more likely to be able to do it in, in a professional atmosphere. And a lot of times when I take Lauren prospecting with me because she's really brand new, and then we talk about what what we should have said or what what the next step would have been, stuff like that.
1: Courtney and Mike, want a look at where you're located geographically. Courtney in New York, Mike's in Boston. And your areas have been really devastated by lockdown since the pandemic started. And so I'm curious to know, given the success you've had during the lockdown, what was it about the same-side selling techniques that helped you see that success? Was it that, that problem-solving, solve, not sell? Uh, how did you get to the prospects? And why did they come with you, Mike?
3: I think for us through the pandemic, we lucked out with a lot of the relationships we had in the past with our referral partners. Kind of continued because we essentially were there for them, like when, when stuff was going on or they had questions, we were quick to respond. But the biggest thing I think for us was just becoming engaging with the client. You know, being proactive instead of sitting back and waiting for, for them to reach out or when something happens, it, we you know we were proactive and, and reaching out to our clients, like just letting them know we're here for you understand what's going on. We actually got a number of referrals because people were just so enthralled with our process and, and what we were doing for them that we were able to actually grow <laughs> quite a bit during the pandemic, which, which was fantastic. I mean, you know, it's tough seeing a lot of it, especially here in downtown, you see a lot of these mom and pop shops and restaurants. And I mean, it was it was literally a ghost town. But we were able to keep going and grow because I think we were proactive in our approach but also just becoming much more engaged with the client and any of our new clients that we would connect with was we listen. I know everybody says like that it's something easy to do, but a lot of times people don't, we would listen to the client and and again, make sure that we had a, we went in with a game plan for anyone who we connected with. But what I've been using to kind of teach my team here since I took the class and again, just become engaged with the clients, listening to them, problem solve don't push certain things. You want to let the client kind of explain to us what what they're looking for. And then once we've learned and listened from what their needs are, it's then we put the plan together. Then we can kind of make our suggestions, but we want to make sure we're addressing all the client's needs throughout that process.
1: So Ian, listening to Courtney and Mike, they've obviously adopted all of the same side selling techniques. What do you say to the producer? And they say, well, yeah, I like this about same size selling, but I don't like this. So I'm only going to use these techniques. Why is that a bad idea? And why do they need to follow the process?
0: If there are certain things that don't apply to your business, don't resonate, that's totally okay. As long as you have a process that you follow. So you need to have a consistent language, a consistent process in property casualty insurance most of us have access to the same products the same carriers right and through iroquois obviously they have access to more than they might otherwise but for the most part you've got similar things you can sell so the single greatest way to differentiate yourself is usually during the sales process itself so someone sees that you're actually taking a genuine authentic interest in what's important to them what they're trying to solve and what they're going to measure Then all of a sudden they say, well, my current person didn't do any of this. They didn't ask any of these questions. So maybe I'm better off shifting. And according to the idea of making people comfortable changing by identifying the difference between maybe what they were getting in the past versus now, if you have children who then become adults, guess what? you didn't fire your pediatrician. It's just as an adult, you had different needs than than they did as a child. So the pediatrician was great. It's just now you've graduated to a different level of care. And then as adults, we eventually get old enough that, well, now we need someone who specialized in geriatric care. It's not that the other physician wasn't good. It's just your needs change. And so it's the same thing from an insurance standpoint to be able to convey that to a client that says, oh, so maybe it's okay that I consider a change. And The biggest thing that Courtney and Mike have done is they've internalized these concepts and then they practice and they have a specific plan of attack and they have a process and they use the same side quadrants when they're going through meetings, they know what's important to the client. So they're not just arbitrarily coming in. And unfortunately in the property casualty industry, the way most introductory calls go is without same side selling, people call up and say things like, oh, I'd love to take a look at your current insurance and see if we can reduce your costs. And now all you've done is taught the client that all that matters is price. And instead, what Mike and Courtney are doing is saying, well, clients reach out to us because they might have exposures that aren't covered. They might not have the right coverage. They might have excess coverage that they're paying for that they don't need. We like to take a look about half the clients we speak with are the right fit for how we approach this. I don't yet know that I can help you. So they're disarming early on. So the client says, all right, yeah, I'll take a look and see if they might be able to help. And that's how they're showing up as someone who's there to solve, not sell.
3: And and that's the big thing too, Ian. I think for us now, we're at the point where when we get clients reaching out to us, we make sure it's a point to tell them, like, we have to make sure that you guys are a good fit for us. It's, we wanna make sure that you are gonna fit our profile so they kind of feel like, oh, wait, well, I need to make sure that we we work with these guys. we We got to fit into this profile. What do we need to do to, to fit that need? So then it turns it back on them, and they're kind of at the same time pitching us on, on them as well. We're making sure we're bringing on the right accounts, that it's the right fit for our agency, because, again, we want... Uh, a long-standing relationship so that we can have, you know, good retention with the client, good relationships.
0: That's great. It's a beautiful thing. And all of a sudden it changes your approach because now you're not out there just peddling for business. You're not following up with someone's Hey, just calling to check in. want to see if you made a decision yet, but instead you're actually able to follow up and say, here's what you told me was important. You mentioned that you didn't have this coverage and it seemed like from our discussion that you were overpaying for this other coverage that you didn't need. Did you find a way to solve that? And it's like, oh yeah, Mike, hey, I'm glad you called. This came up, that came up. Yeah, we do need to get back to this. And you've got someone to follow up with as opposed to if you're just following up on, um, hey, maybe I can save you some money, if you can or you can't, like whatever. The person who's gonna change because they can save 2% on their insurance, is going to leave you a year from now because someone else will save them 2%. That's exactly it. And that
1: brings up an interesting point. In my past life, I had some producers of an agency that we had acquired, and we spent an hour talking about how they didn't like the clients that they were working with because they were price shoppers. And I go, well, why do you do this? Because, well, you know, I get leads, they're easy, but they'll shop me for a hundred bucks. And I go, well, it doesn't make sense. Why do you want to do business with people that are going to shop you and that you don't like to do business with? Ian, why don't you give us a closing comment on that and just wrap it up from a same side selling standpoint?
0: I think when someone says to you, well, right now I have this current coverage. I'm just looking to see if you can save us some money then our response should be to counter with results or value. Meaning, you know what? We're usually not serving our clients well if we're just focused on saving them money because when you're getting insurance, you're covering certain risks. Our approach is to evaluate what coverages you have and which coverages you don't have so that you're fully informed about what risks you're covering and not covering. That way you can make an informed decision. Sometimes people reach out to us, they might pay marginally more for dramatically better coverage, or they might end up paying a little bit less for the same or better coverage. But fundamentally for us, if I save you a little bit of money and all of a sudden you have a huge claim that isn't covered, I probably haven't helped you, right? So what would you like to do? And now what I've just done is pivoted that conversation. So it's not about price. It's about the outcomes or results. The biggest thing, Charlie, that I think people need to realize is that as much as I would love for this to all be about same-side selling, it really comes down to Courtney and Mike taking the time to actually practice, to internalize these concepts because it's their effort and work. We all know people who go through courses and classes and then don't apply what they learned. And those are the people who usually scratch their head and say, well, you know, I'm not seeing the results that other people are seeing. Wait, hold on. You mean the people who are putting in the work are getting better results than people who aren't? I'm shocked. What I'd love to hear, Charlie, is what type of results, like have you seen a growth in your book of business for Courtney and Mike? Have you seen an uptick in the types of accounts that you're winning or earning? through using this approach, because really that's all that matters.
3: For our agency, I mean, I've seen my producers who are probably doing, their average commercial account would probably be anywhere between like, I would say six to like 15,000. And for myself, I, I was a little bit higher than that. I mean, I've, since I took the class, I've probably been averaging right around between 30 to 38,000 for, for an average account now. And, and, our, and our attention has gone up quite a bit as well. You see the results, I wouldn't say right away, but as you start to change your approach to your clients you're able to get them locked in it's bringing on better clients i think for us on the back end it's, it's you see a lot of service work but because it's, you maybe don't have the right of clients right we've been able to find the clients that are the right fit and, and we're going into this approach of you know engaging with them but in terms then we're seeing the revenue and our clients are bigger i mean at the end of the day that's what they are so we're you know we're, we're being more profitable we're seeing better clients and, and again, our, our team has a lot more confidence.
1: What about you, Courtney?
2: Same thing. I used to, I remember, I mean, I haven't been in insurance for that long. So I remember not that long ago, getting excited, getting like a $5,000 account. And now since I've adapted this, it's really helped me break into like what I would consider the middle markets and the 20 the 30, 40, $50,000 account. So it really has helped not only boost my confidence, but make sure that I'm able to know what I'm talking about and know how to handle these bigger clients.
3: I think you underestimate how, how you are going into something. And again, being, being a smaller agency, when you're going up against, you know, a client who's working with like a a hub or or the bigger carriers and you're dealing with a six figure plus account, you're, you know, you're in the back of your mind. Like, Oh my God, am I going to be able to do this? Am I going to handle it? But, but our, the approach has really changed my mindset and being like, yeah, we can, we can, we can meet these guys needs. We have the access to the products. So it's just basically at that point, building a relationship with the client and engaging them it's worked. And we've been able to close some pretty nice size accounts that, that I don't think we typically would have had the capacity to do. The the beauty is this, is that
0: the way you describe it is we're bringing these accounts that I didn't think we would have the capacity to do. And the reality is it's not like your capacity has changed. You just have a process now that gives you the confidence that when you go into those accounts, you feel like. Oh, this other producer is at a disadvantage to us because we have a process that we know is going to help the client really take notice and say they're doing something different than everyone else. And keep in mind, we all do what we've been taught. So it's not like other producers don't have access to the same products. It's just someone taught them methods that just don't resonate with today's clients. And you've got an approach that does. So by modernizing that approach, you're able to see some tangible results. Well, listen, thank you very much uh Courtney, Mike and Ian. This has been
1: great. I'm really glad to hear all the success that you you both are having having attended the same side selling academy.
2: Ian, thanks, thanks Charlie.
1: All right guys, thank you.
0: Again, thanks Ian. Oh, thank you Charlie. Thanks for listening to this edition of Charlie's Corner, brought to you by Iroquois Group. I am Edwin K Morris and I invite you Join us for the next edition of the trusted advisor podcast.